Hi, Paul Scanlon here. Thanks for taking the time to click on my podcast. I want to spend time focusing on my primary passions of leadership, personal development, communication, growing big people. And I hope that these podcasts really help and add value to your life and to your journey. Thanks for tuning in. When you look across the landscape of young leadership, Mm. young professionals, what excites you? What do you what do you think we're doing a good job of? I was in Sydney, Australia recently, and I was having dinner with a number of young professionals around the table, and they kind of were asking me questions. No such thing as a free meal when you are <laughs> do what I do. Is that what I realised? It was a setup, but I was hungry, so I ate, and then the questions began to spring out, which I didn't see coming. But what I did enjoy about it and them is how smart they were. Mm. Uh, what I love about the emerging young leaders and professionals is that, that they are more educated than my generation were. Right. They are more curious, and I think curiosity is the leading edge of how smart they are. I think their curiosity and their comfort with exposure to other ways of thinking, to uh, other groups, to other ideas, rather than being exclusive and threatened by people that think different to them. Sure. I think... Uh, what excites me about the emerging generation is that, that they are curious, they are thinkers, they are smart. I think too what I love about the emerging generation is that they are revolutionaries rather than rebels. I think my generation, we were much more coached, I suppose, to, to know what we were against, but we had no replacement for what we were against. Right. I think we were rebels without a cause. Sure. We kind of knew what we were against, uh, but we didn't have an alternate idea. What I like about the emerging generation is that they've gone beyond what they don't like and what they think is not working, and they have suggestions for how it can be done better. So to me, the emerging generation are replacers rather than just rebels. Right. I love that about them because they're fascinating to listen to. The, the work that they're doing, uh, the way they speak about what they're doing, the way that they track their life, yep is built around giving something back to, to, to areas where they feel there's something weak or failing. They're not just saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, because sure. that's easy. Yeah. I love that about the emerging leaders and the emerging entrepreneurs. They have much more awareness of social justice, of human rights, of the need for equality. They are much more wanting to do something about abuse, yeah. about a violation of human rights, about uh, all kinds of unfairness and injustice. This is a huge issue more than I've ever seen at any other time in any generation. I love that about the emerging generation. Wow, great. Uh, and now that you've encouraged us, stroked our ego and all that, uh, where would you see us developing? Where could we develop as young leaders? I think the first thing I'd say to young leaders is that you stand on the shoulders of other people. Hmm. You, you did not, it did not start with you. You did not enter at ground zero. Right. Thank God that someone else took the elevator from ground zero to wherever floor you got on at. Sure. I think you should always be grateful for that. I think that should always be part of your DNA and the core of who you are. And I think one of the concerns I have about the emerging generation is that I don't think they understand honor. Right. I think it's, I think it's uh, there are exceptions to that which are great. Um, but I, my generation, and I want to say that in fairness to my generation, I think honor was so ingrained in our generation, whether it was a post-war thing, mm. that we were baby boomer kids, 
and we honored those that sacrificed in the Second World War, and we grew up standing up. We grew up in our house standing up when the national anthem came on. Yeah, My dad right. made us all stand right. up. We laugh about it now, but I wonder if back then it built into me something about honor and respect for those that had achieved something for our country, for our royalty, for our soldiers. I've never lost that. But I do think the older I get, the less I feel it is um, on the surface, sure. uh, uh, easy to hand, easy to see in the emerging generation. I think that is something that the emerging generation now and in the future, I think they have to be much more aware of. You wouldn't be where you are. You wouldn't have what you have. You wouldn't have the opportunities, the voice, the influence, um, the success, the momentum, whatever you call it. Right if you weren't standing on the shoulders of others. I think the emerging generation need to be mindful of that. Yeah. I also think, um, <laughs> I think the emerging generation need to make friends with gray. Life is not black and white. Sure, right, right. I, think, I think youth are obsessed with um, either ors. I think youth and the mind and the way that young people are wired is to make a decision, polarize, box in, decide, tidy a thing up. <clears throat> I think the older you get, the more that you become comfortable with the fact that this isn't black or white, it's gray, and that's okay. Right. And there's yeah. way more than 50 shades. <laughs> I think young people struggle with that idea. I would want to see the emerging generation, especially of communicators, mm. making friends with gray, wow. not trying to tidy up, realizing many things in life will never be black or white, Many people are not black or white. Many scenarios and the solution isn't black or white. There are many things in life that are complicated and difficult, both at a personal, national and global level, um, that are not solvable. Mm. They are more what I call tensions to manage sure. than they are problems to solve. Right, right. I think I would like to see the emerging generation become much more comfortable with, 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 with things that defy being able to be fixed, that defy being able to be called one or the other, and stay there after you've named them. They don't. I think that openness, to be open about that stuff, to be more celebrating and embracing uh, of gray. And the thing is that gray, I think, grows us far more than black and white does. I think wow. living with things that we can't solve, living with bad things happen to good people. Sure, right, right. And some of those good people could be your family and mine. Wow. And, and it should have happened to the bad people who deserved it kind of thing. Yeah. When tragedy happens to good people and it strikes people close to us or us, I think that's what I mean by grey. Mm. Because if we have a philosophy and a theology that being a good person is immunity from bad things, then if bad things happen, you are hit you know, in your solar plexus of your belief system. Uh, and I think what life hands to us is too many of those things right. for us to keep fighting it sure. and raging against it. I think we have to make peace with it and realise that most of the planet lives all of their life in grey wow. and intentions that they don't have the wherewithal, the wisdom or resources to solve. So our voice to them, and I would like this to start earlier for our young people mm. than it normally does. I think this wisdom that defies age, that enters our young people early, that they make friends with grey and become skillful and wise as they speak into it. I'd like the emerging generation to work on that too. Wow. Great. We'll get to work. Great. So talking about managing tensions, mm. um, as someone who's working hard, who has got a few ventures and doing different things, uh, as well as having a big family, growing family, 
how do you manage that tension of work and life, family, and, and balance of both of those things? I think tension is the word, Tom. I think, you know, uh, I, I said to, I've said to my daughters that are married to guys that are gone early in the morning, back late at night, and then kids come along. Yeah. So you're not kind of in their world, tucking them in, in bed at night. And that, that can become an irritation unless you figure out that it's not what I call a problem to solve. It is a lot of attention to manage and therefore to make peace with the fact that it's not going to get better soon, sure. that we have to just become great at dealing with this. And there are lots of things in life that are attention to manage. The global security threat is not a problem to solve. It's attention we all have to live with since 9-11. So we all just have to get smarter and wiser right at managing that tension and there are things that are like that that are global and things that are like that that are personal um, is what I'd say about the work-life balance and it is a balance but there's no such thing as perfect balance so no one should be striving to get perfect balance and feel bad that they haven't because there is right. no such thing as perfect balance you're always compensating like riding a bicycle you're always adjusting from yeah. one foot to the other adjusting to the terrain and the conditions um, that's, I think, what life is like for large chunks of life with work-life balance, uh, I think is what I'd say to young professionals. And I think everybody should be on board. Uh, I've had too many wives complaining to me that the husband is never home, I never see him. It's affecting our relationship and parenting when he's doing the very thing they nagged him to do. Right. He's got a career that provides her with the lifestyle and the kids with a lifestyle. They're living in the kind of house and have a second car, have two or three vacations a year, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. This is what the lifestyle is that they wanted. You can't have that and then say, I don't like this bit. That's what I meant earlier about picking your pain, that there's pain with that choosing of that kind of career and vocation. Sure. Uh, you have to manage that. The work-life balance thing is not the only tension in life we have to manage. But work-life certainly is a big one for young entrepreneurs and young professionals. I think the wife um, has to be just as on board, or the husband, if it's the wife that's entrepreneurial. Right. I think both have to be on board to say, I'm giving you permission, giving you space and allowance to do this as best you can. And we're going to be doing this for a few years. So let's make the best of it while this is our season. Because yeah. over time it will change and work-life balance gets easier. Other things come into play that are new tensions. But work-life balance eventually gets easier as you have more time and more money um, and it gets easier to be around your family and your kids. But that can be, you know, 10, 20 years. Sure, yeah. So I think it is something people have to be intentional about, almost like a contract about. Right. That we're going to do this because the advantages and the gains are enormous. The downside, we're going to have to manage. There's pain with that. But we are choosing that so that when we are in our midlife, we will have the quality of life that we could not have had had we not have paid that price in the first 25 years of our life kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Great. So um, as a leader, kind of um, thinking about the idea of when you're a leader in an organization and you've got results to get, you've got a bottom line, be it profit or a product, um, how did you manage that tension or how would you manage that tension of you've got results to get, but yet you also want to grow the people involved in getting those results? Great question. I think you're doing both at the same time, I think is what you have to do. But you have to have a leading edge of which two of those matters most to you. There is the result in terms of financial or how many of these things we've sold that gives us the financial bottom line, the profit loss margin yeah. is one result. There's another result that, that really should matter more 
and it's a more long-term thought, is are the people producing that bottom line happy? Right. Are they fulfilled? Are they productive? Are they operating to the maximum potential? Are they having a great experience in this company? Are we getting the best out of them? Are they getting yep. the best out of us? I think that's another result that is not as easy to measure and the measuring of that is a more long-term thing. But I think my observation of, of, the, of the most successful organizations in the world of any kind um, understand, you know, for years it used to be the customer comes first, but now we realize, and that's wrong, that the staff come first. Mm. That if the staff are not looked after and if the staff are not growing and their morale is weak, then ultimately the customers are the ones who suffer. So I think now, uh, 2016, I think most people are realizing by now that we don't just want to be defined by a good bottom line result financially. Right. That's important, of course it is. But for that bottom line financially to be normal and to grow, for it to be sustained as a good result and for it to grow is not going to happen by trying to sell or create or commit to more things. Sure. It is going to happen by committing to growing the people that produce those things. Right. That things don't grow. People grow and then things grow wow. is what right. we were figuring out. So if we don't grow the people but try to grow the things, the gap between small people and big things is where we will fail. Right. And we're all manner of dysfunction and poor morale and people feel taken for a ride, people burning out, people not getting on, not playing team, um, resigning, moving on, is staff turnover increases, is in that gap sure. between this big idea right. and not growing the people. Right. So I went to buy a Mercedes a while back and I walked into the showroom because Mercedes is a massive global brand, great adverts on TV, but then in the showroom I was ignored, no one spoke to me. When a salesman did come to me, it was like I was, he was doing me a favor. He's on his phone while he's talking to me, like he's distracted, and I was keeping him from something more important. Mm. I left the shop after half an hour, didn't come back to me. I asked the lady for him to call me back. He didn't call me back. I called him back to call me back. He didn't call me back after I called to remind him to call me back. My point is that here's this big organization right. staffed by a small person. Wow, right. Mercedes, Mercedes' continual bottom line is nothing to do with throwing more millions at brand advertising. It is sustained by putting that time into your staff so that the guy at the front end of what you're doing understands customer relations, understands how I pay his salary, understands I am important in his world and right. I'm there uh, you know, to buy a car. I think it's that experiences like that that I think I wish businesses would understand that we need to grow him so that people like me coming into their world have a great experience and ultimately buying that car is what increases their bottom line. Right. I didn't buy a car, not because I didn't like Mercedes or they're not a good car or it wasn't a good deal. I didn't buy a car because that man was rude to me. Wow. End of. Wow. So I now didn't buy Mercedes and I don't think anybody else in the world should either. Because those <laughs> bad experiences make you like that. They make you like, they make you like on a champion and a cause of you shouldn't buy a Mercedes either even though it's a good product, mm. because my experience was poor. Wow. And therefore, I think uh, growing the people, to me, long-term strategy, let's grow the people. Because if we don't grow the people, ultimately the bottom line will get smaller and smaller, and the things that we sell and the things that we do will grind to a halt, because all the growth is in the people. Wow.
Great. So um, let's end with one question. Um, if you could focus on one thing, what would that one thing be? I would focus on finding out what your why is. Why right. are you on this planet? Why are you here and the others not? Mm. Why did you win the great sperm race? <laughs> right. Why of hundreds of millions of others are you here? Why are you here? They say that the most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you figure out why you were born. I think there's a lot of truth in that. And of sure. course, my appeal as we're talking to young professionals yeah. and about young professionals is the sooner you figure out that why, the more parts of your life can start to fall into alignment. I think that fundamental why, Jim Carrey, who we all now know as a, a movie star, actor, comedian, Jim Carrey said that when he was 28 years of age, he woke up one night in a hotel in Los Angeles while he was doing a gig as a stand-up comedian. He'd been a stand-up comedian for 10 years by this time. Mm. Jim Carrey said, as he thought about what he did and what he'd done for 10 years, and tried to figure out what is it about this that I love doing, with all the pain he'd had financially and so on and so on, trying to carve a path in that world, which is notoriously a tough world to be in, uh, stand-up com comedy. Uh, he said it occurred to him that what drove him to do what he did was actually not comedy, it was not telling jokes, it was not the, the, the science, the mechanics of it. He was not trying to be funny. What he realized was that he felt that what he was here to do was to free people from concern. Wow. He said he realized that when he had people in his company for a couple of hours, that what he did by being funny was that in those moments they were laughing and rolling about laughing, was that for those moments they were doing that, they were free huh. from the concerns they came right. into the room with. The concerns were there when they left the room, but the moment they were in his presence, he realized he had this effect on them of freeing them and himself from concern. So rather than see that his calling was to be funny, he realized that deeper than that, the why behind it was that he felt he was here to free people from concern. So he says, in his own mind, he started the church of the church of FFC, the church of freedom from concern. Wow. And he said, wow. I have given myself to that ministry huh. all of my life. So what I'm saying about that is that listening to us, people may, be, may do something day to day. There's much more able to be identified and pointed to. Right. You ask me what's the most important thing. I would say to all people listening to us, Get behind the scenes of what you do. If you can find why is it that you do what you do, which is going to be something to do with, as I said earlier, a problem you solve. Jim Carrey's solution he brought to the planet was, I solve people feeling concerned all the right. time. I remove concern. I suspend concern from them for periods of time when they watch my movies or they come to where I am or they listen to me speak, or they read something I've written, I have the effect of freeing them from concern. Wow. Figure out that. The sooner in life you can try and get a name for that, the more your life can now start to line up in where you point your life educationally, relationally, geographically, circumstantially, 
financially, mm. philosophically, conceptually, all of these things now begin to be aligned with your fundamental why and root into it and feed it and develop it. So I would say, again, going back to a younger me, but yeah. to all young professionals listening, try and figure out. Maybe somebody that knows you really well knows it better than you do. Maybe you're too close to the woods for, to see the trees. Maybe somebody that knows you really well can say, well, you know what? Sure. Here's what I think. You're always banging on about. Or whenever I'm, whenever I'm with you, I always feel this. Right. Whatever they say to you is a heads up to what your why is, try and identify it, give a name to it, is the most important thing in life, I think I'd say to people, especially young professionals. Wow, that's great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Paul, for everything, okay. for, for your insight and for you. just spending this time. Great, well, thanks for watching. And uh, to find out what else Paul's doing, why don't you follow him and check out growingbigpeople.com and see what else is going on. Thanks. Well, thanks again for listening to today's podcast. I hope you found it beneficial. And uh, I know time is precious commodity for us all, but I would love it if you would take the time to write a review or comment. And above all, maybe subscribe to my podcast channel. Thank you.